Action Park Media. Welcome to another episode of Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Allen. I'm Kevin Connolly, filling in again. I'm exhausted. For well, you're really exhausted because you've done some voiceover work for Kevin Dillon, which we'll get into in a minute. But what's going on? I got things to talk about because you're affecting my life in a negative way. I know. You came in today hot. You came yeah. in hot. Well, a couple of things happened. I appreciate it. A couple of things happened. We talk on the podcast, and now they're starting to reverberate in the real world, three dimensions. So a couple of things. You know, my girlfriend, Sarah Sanderson, she's like one of the nicest, sweetest people in the world. I think you know that. But you've rattled her because she feels like she insulted you because you weren't at the Easter party. And I know you went to come, number one. Even if you were available, you went to come. Well, if I was available, I might have come. But, I mean, it's Easter, and I had uh, family Easter plans. What I would like you to do is apologize to I her for, for making content out of, out of her party. I, I told her. I said, I you know. So I was just kidding. It was all in good fun. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, but, you know, she... Listen, our girls have become peripheral characters on, yeah. on Victory the Podcast. They'll have so to live with that, they'll right? They'll have to live with that. Okay. It comes with the territory. And then the other thing is, so you say the other day, listen, we know I had a little, uh, a little operation. I haven't been able to work out. I've been eating bagels. I've eaten more bagels in the last six days than I have in the previous three months because I was really... I was doing well. Yeah, so slip up. Uh, yeah, I had my Pops LA and my Courage Bagels and I'm at Prince Street Pizza. It's been a, a meltdown. But what you said on the podcast the other day, you said, you know, the body's not popping like it was a couple of weeks ago. I, that's not what I said. I said, you're just not doing the same uh, push-up regimen. You're not doing 100 push-ups. I wasn't allowed to. So I was stopped. Procedure. Yeah, because of the procedure. But what happened is I then go home and I tell Sarah, I said, Connolly said, the body isn't popping the way it was two weeks ago. That's not what I meant. I didn't mean to say that. Yeah. I mean, Forget what does- you meant. You know what she says? What? I agree. She basically says, I agree. And, and then she looks at me and says, what do you want me to do? Lie to you? I said, yeah, I'm 50 fucking three years old. I don't need anything the but compliments of a, anymore. Of a, we're not even calling it a midlife yeah. crisis, a midlife adjustment. Right. But by the way, she's a generation. We've been living together for a year. She never said, you know, I got to be honest with you. Your hair has been thinning during this COVID thing. So all of a sudden she's honest, Abe, you know? Yes. Tell me I look good. That's this is it. a so- stupid question. She's seen you without the hat, obviously. <laughs> you are such a fucking she's loser. She's seen you without the hat. Yeah, she's right? seen me without the hat. Yeah, she are likes you me a little gun shy around her without the hat? Not at all. I actually, it's weird. I've actually gotten surprisingly more confident already. All the, the just the, knowing that the hair is coming, just good. believing it, hoping it, that it's, it's coming. coming. Oh, it's coming. It's, I know. There's more to talk about about that. But what I'm saying is now Sarah Sanderson, she's a little like, she's really sweet, but she's a little like you also. So she walks around the house all day. She's like, you got a license for those guns. I'm like, all right, I get the joke. I get it. So I did 200 pushups today, today? Really? which is the first time I got my, my Jake Steinfeld. Don't quit shake. Right. I know you don't like Collie hates when I do free advertisement. It, it's not that I don't. My friend. I don't mind that at all. It's that it sounds like an advertisement. Now the no the, one is the, paying me for this. Correct. I did get it for also, free too. The don't quit shake. You know Ethan Suplee. You know Mister America at this point unsolicited. Dyke, he lives he lives by the don't quit. Shake. Oh, he does. Yeah. And by the way, this is the new one. Thirty three grams with only one gram of sugar. And does it taste? It tastes great. Yeah. Great. And well, especially maybe, you mix it up with some bananas and, and stuff. What about uh, the don't, them, don't sponsoring quit. us? Sponsoring us. Jake Steinfeld. You hear us? We want a sponsorship I mean, could, deal. And also too, that's a good you know, it's a good brand to get to get behind. And you know, yeah. I, I like the idea that don't don't quit. And especially they can kind of do a Victory, before and after don't with us. Quit, go. I like it a lot. I right. like it a lot. But let's get back to the hair. Okay. What, this is not the box from Pulp Fiction. Green okay. Earth, are you holding? Doug, for those of you listening in your car, Doug is holding a weird silver box that looks like something I guess you could check at the airport. It's like a hard shell carrying case. I mean, this arrived as I was leaving. Is That's that why I brought your it. laser cap? You don't understand how excited I am. The fact that this is real. It's a hat. That you wear, that you wouldn't even know. Like, I could put that on. I don't know yet. I haven't opened it. I'm going to open it, but I'm told it works. And the fact that people around the universe have been hiding this for me for years, that I There's a magical cap that grows your But there's lasers, and you know what I want to do in my house? I want to change laser beams. I want to change all the lighting in my house to these growing hair growing lasers. Like a, like a, you know, like well, a you sleep in, like yeah. a growth farm. But I mean, I want Well, you know, you know they have that for, you know, for for your skincare. Like it's like a like an x-ray light that regenerates your But you have to sit in front of the light. Yeah, but it's like 7 minutes or, But I'm saying or, imagine right now all these lights were growing hair all over me. I mean, how great would that be? You'd be a hairy gorilla. That would be weird. <laughs> That's fine. You know what? I I was never a real hairy guy. I don't care. If it has to go to my back to get more on my head, I'm fine with that now. You, you would know? take a super hairy body for 
like flowing locks. A hundred percent. Now, would you use the uh, Manscaped 3.0? Yeah, sure. I mean, I just, I I want want hair in your head. I want hair that I can really work with again. I used to work with it. And that's why I'm excited because we talked a little bit before. You're doing these Kevin Dillon voiceovers. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical about the too. box. Skeptical Be- about the surgery I had. I, no, I, I'm not. Ske- I think the surgery is a home run. I want to see this box. Doctor Zeering recommended it. I got it. I believe in it. But more importantly, I want to talk about this. We got a little animation stuff we're doing. We got some video episodes that are coming because we made a deal with a company, which I won't announce yet because I don't know if we got any money for this. Have we gotten paid? We'll, we'll talk about. We'll talk about that. Oh God, we'll the money has not offline. come. No, 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 no. The money's there. Money's okay, there. the money's there. So uh, what my idea was is I always said Dylan is just a genius cartoon. You've character. been trying to. You've been talking about. Dylan in a cartoon, Johnny Bananas, like you've always had this vision yep. for Dylan as a cartoon. I did. And you, by the way. Right. So not myself, but I'm in this one. And what's perfect for me is so I the idea of just doing the video podcast seemed like who wants to watch us sitting around? I thought we could do more with it. But Can I more. compliment you for a second? Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. This is okay. Uh, the so, arms, the arms look better than you <laughs> Yeah, this is not a physical compliment. Okay, sorry. Not, unless you want to give me a peek under the cap. <laughs> Honestly, you, bro, you want to go viral? You want to see a social clip go viral? Let's get a fucking peek under that cap. <laughs> so, Such a shamer. This is what I like about working with Doug, right? So they come to us with the idea. They want to do like quick pieces of the podcast, like 10-minute episodes of the podcast, right? Which we can easily do. There's cameras, boom, boom, boom. You cut it. You pick 10 funny minutes and you do the episode. You say, yeah, that's fine, but let's dial it up a notch. Get a little ambitious, which go big or go home. And let's throw some animation in there, which you've been dying to do for years anyway. You've yeah. o- it's been a, a quiet passion for you yeah. for years now. And what's interesting is I've never been a fan of my voice. And we, when you started the podcast, I was like, I, I don't like listening to myself. I've finally gotten used to it. I've never been that big of, and I, listen, I'm not looking for compliments. I've I've done pretty good in my life. People usually think I'm cute You're since I'm a kid. But, I'm, but my point well, is, is like, you know, my face is not something I want to look at all the time. So now. Your face isn't. You got a good face. I'm not looking for compliments. And I don't care what like you think about face. my face. <laughs> Can we see under the hat? Give us a peek. No, you, you know what you're going to see? In the animated Doug, you know what you're going to see? I can give myself any fucking hair I, know, I want. I know. You want it? Yeah. My hair was actually pretty similar to yours when I was growing up. So now the question is, what do I do now? Right. Do you go COVID hair, Doug, for the animation? I think, listen. What if I gave myself Grenier's hair? No, what if? I, I don't think you want to overdo it. Okay. I don't think you want to overdo it. And also, too, bro, granted, I'm a, you're a lot taller than me. So I'm making I, you taller. I it's never, a surprise for making your animated character taller. I never really saw the hair, right? You, you see like, <laughs> bad like hair troubles on people shorter than you when you're looking at them, yeah. right? I never really knew that the hair thing was even an issue for you. As I said, whilst on Sarah Sanderson's watch, the last six months have gotten like gotten worse, worse, you know? So, so and, we'll um, you know, maybe it's stress or maybe it's not. You know, that's the sick thing. Charlie Sheen said maybe it's stress. So imagine I did the surgery and not only do I get whatever benefits of the surgery, but the stress goes away, COVID goes away, and all of a sudden I do have Grenier's hair. And we don't need him for the reboot. I can fucking be animated Grenier. I, I think I think you want to split the difference for your animation. Well, we're going to try it. We're going to do a bunch of different things. I'll have some artwork. I, look I definitely at it. don't want to have like a bald Doug. I mean, that no, would no. Be weird. There, there'll be no bald Doug. There'll, there'll be, be no bald Doug. They'll, they'll just be levels of how Doug? good my hair is. It'll right. be like that's ridiculous or that's good. And then what I'm going to do is, because, I mean, Dr. Zeering, you do go and you have a follow-up and whatever, but I'm going to bring my animated guy and I'm going to go, listen, I'll do this surgery over and over and over just to get back to what this guy looks like. Right. So you might go back for round two with Dr. I'll do whatever I can. Do you think he gives you a freebie on the next round? I don't want a freebie. Who the fuck wants a freebie on surgery? I find that to be the stupidest thing ever. I I don't want a discount. You think I want him working on my skull thinking that I negotiated deals with him? No, I want to overpay. I want to go, listen, because I I swear. Don't do me any favors. Listen, if it works, I'll give him my fucking car. I'll give him my house. I don't care. I don't. Nothing matters to me right now except for hair. And getting my guns back that Hair Sarah Sanderson says I don't have. Hair and animation. So anyway, I'm excited, though, because we got a great guest. Paul, Paul ben, ben Victor. Victor. Who has such a great career and played. I mean, can you imagine that career? He's just like, 
I guess they, well, we'll ask him when he comes in, but he just like pretty much decides when he's going to work. You got to figure this guy works 40 weeks a year. But I need to ask you if this is insulting to him. This guy is a superstar actor. He played Alan Gray on Entourage. He's on The Wire for four or five seasons. He's done a million things. But I want to talk about one of the greatest scenes in movie history, in my opinion, which is true romance, which I he's agree. only got one line in in a 10 minute scene. Yeah, but he's a very, very, very scary character. But it would be great to talk. He was standing there and he's in that scene. So, so you don't think it's insulting? We're talking about Dennis Hopper. No, on I'm sure he's very proud of that scene. Dennis Hopper, who sadly passed away, is on Entourage. And it's really Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken just putting on an actor's showcase while Paul Ben Victor and James Gandolfini, who I don't think says anything either, really, are just watching. And what I want like, to That's an acting clinic. It really is. But show. also, like, Quentin Tarantino wrote True Romance, apparently is not happy with that movie. I don't want to get into natural killers or whatever it is, but anything that he wrote that he ended up not directing, he hates. Now, listen, the late, great Tony Scott. I mean, come on. I'm Show not, me a person that doesn't like true romance. I'm not going to say anything. Maybe but natural born killers, little, maybe a little far, a uh, little far right or left for, for uh, old Quentin there. But uh, true romance, a home run. All I'm going to say is I'm not going to judge it. What I would kill, I, would, I wouldn't give away the hair that I'm going to get, but I would give away a lot of things to see Quentin direct that scene however he would have done it differently. Because I do, Quentin is like... Scorsese, Quentin, these are like my heroes. But I do like Tony Scott. But that particular scene's got Quentin written all over. I want to ask Paul Ben Victor. I don't know. Maybe I can't ask. But he was, is he going to be insulted? It doesn't matter. He's not going to be insulted. He's very proud. Listen, I was in John Q. Some of the best acting I've ever been witness to, like standing there watching it with my own eyes, I had no lines. I was like standing there watching Denzel Washington going, I can, I'll never be that good. You know, it's weird. I I watched John Q last week. I didn't, I didn't see you. You did not watch John Q and not see you. I don't remember I'm you. In, I mean, I might have. I mean, you, you must have been high. As Did a you have a real kite. part? I mean, yeah, I was in the whole movie. What are you talking about? Yes, yes, yes. I'm, for a second, he comes into that. I dozed room. off a little bit. I had some edibles, but I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I would imagine. Did you have a real moment? In this yeah, movie? of course. I had a bunch of real moments. So if you want, if John, okay, so, my point is that there was one particular morning, and it was a Monday morning, and it was at the end of the movie, and it's like grueling four months in Canada, and it was a great time, but just that point where everybody's ready to go home. Right. And, uh, you know, everybody else is pretty much gone. And we're doing this last scene in John Q and, you know, Denzel Washington puts a gun to his head and he's going to kill himself and he's praying and he's doing all these things. And I'm actually in the shot. And I'm like, I don't know, I'm preparing him for, you know, su- his suicide to take his heart out. And I just was watching and I found myself, which is like the worst thing an actor can do. But I found myself sliding into the the audience. I, I couldn't help it. I, he was so good, wow. and it was just I'd never seen anything like that up close. I mean, he was two feet away from me, and I just never seen somebody act. I mean, I guess it would be the equivalent of like you know playing with Michael Jordan. I don't know. He was he was so good. I, I was I was floored. Well, I'll tell you what's interesting. I mean, I love that story, but still, I want you to put yourself as an actor in Paul Ben Victor's shoes right now. This is an extremely accomplished actor successful guy who's getting up he's driving over here for free and he's coming on this podcast so if you this morning woke up and we're doing some two jerk offs podcasts who are reliving their past all the time and you showed up and they wanted to talk to you about john q would you not be upset I'd be happy to be talking i will bet any amount of money he's happy to talk about all that. right well and he's proud of it you're not going to offend him by asking right, good him well i'm i'm done with you why for because the he doesn't have because it doesn't have enough lines in the scene you think he's going to be if i don't i don't think anything i'm just i'm a little more sensitive to you like you're i don't say things like, like your body's not popping anymore. Oh, I don't you, say that you shit. You say things like, oh, I watched that movie and I didn't see you in it. I'm like, that's, I'm that's the fucking fact. eighth lead in the movie. Well, the then you're fucking lead. high. You're high <laughs> as a kite. You know what? Well, I fucked with you. I didn't really see it. I was playing a bit. I was oh, doing bits. I, I was going to say, it. well, and well, you know, listen, I, I was, I was a nurse, right? I was, a, I was a male nurse. I did have on the, 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 the scrubs. Maybe I blended into the walls. Maybe you just see a white face, a white head floating around <laughs> the office. But yeah, I was, I was in it. And, um, you certainly, when it's something like that, I'm sure he's proud to be All just right. in this shot. Well, let me wrap it with this. I'm going to really watch John Q, and I'm going to be the one because I'm excited, and I'm going to look Paul Ben Victor in the face and go, I'm, I apologize before, but I need to spend a little time on True Romance. So let's, when we come back, Paul Ben Victor. Welcome back, Victor, the podcast. I'm excited. This man has such an incredible career. Paul Ben Victor. I mean, he jumps my my intro, but... God, I just get right to it. That name, it <laughs> He was on, you know, maybe the greatest <laughs> television show of all time. It's certainly in my top five list, and I'm not talking about Entourage. Oh, thank God. I would have been, <laughs> been like, well, get over yourself if you were. But I mean, he was is, on The Wire. Of course. And, uh, you know, did you know this, or Connelly? I, I, I did not 
put that together, but he's ever. <laughs> no, I'm saying like, no, uh, what do you, do you work? I was saying, look, you work 40 weeks out of 52 week, uh, you know, out of the year. You work 40 weeks. I mean, this guy just like the body of work on you is incredible. I'm just getting old. Maybe I think that's you look good. By the way, the list is getting old. old, old, old. (laughs) Right. I don't mean to. Yes. I mean, I've I've just kept working. I got here a long time ago and, you know, but I'm finally doing a a big role. I'm not that I'm jumping right to my credits, but I got a big one coming out that I'm doing. Let's talk about it. What is it? I'm excited about it because I've. You know, yes, I've done them a bunch, but this is a like a lead role with uh, Keitel and um, Wow and uh, and uh, Emil Hirsch and Ruby Rose and me, and it's a it's a mobster story about uh, Tony Spilaccio. It's called a Legitimate Wise Guy. So that's I start that in May, and I'm, I don't mean to jump my first words ago, but I'm pumped. Paul, well, I'm excited, but it's not you that. It's just that I've done a lot of stuff, but this is a this is a big one. So there's Great. a jump. I'm hoping it's Colin never got that jump. Yeah. But I, We're uh, still waiting on that jump. <laughs> you know, you know the feeling. Like, well, you. <laughs> no, no. There's, there's. Listen, this famous. You know what? I was a decade Paul, ago. Nobody gives no, a shit Paul, about that. I, anymore. I always, I always said, and this is a random thing, and I've mentioned this before. I was granted that I was 14, but I was in Rocky Five. When that call came in, that I got that, it was like possibly one of the greatest days of my life. It just, still is. It's just will always don't let that hold go. a special place. So when you, you get that, that one, where it's like, this so, is I'm, I'm hoping is is a big one. But so yeah, I've been, I don't want to give up too much on this. But I, I, who's directing? Is this a uh, studio this is, movie? This is uh, it's an independent. It's, uh, George Gallo who, who oh, wrote yeah. uh, Midnight Run. Yeah, directing. I love George Gallo. Nick Solosi yeah. wrote it. It's his story. It's a true story about when he was an actor. He came to Vegas slash Hollywood back in the '80s, and he was. Set up with Tony Spilaccio, who's sort of Jesus. a, who was a you know a notorious heavy uh, hitter, you know mob enforcer of the outfit, the yeah. Chicago outfit. So, I can't wait to see. I mean, I love George yeah. Gallo. Obviously, anyone out there who has not seen Midnight Run and he's George Gallo's done a bunch of things, but Midnight yeah. Run is talk about holds up, yeah, unreal. And talk about sorry, Paul, but just like I don't know if you ever worked with Dennis Farina, but you know one day Dennis Farina, who played mm. um, uh, Serrano in Midnight, Serrano's Run, got the discs. Who, who good, that's good. <laughs> Dennis Farina, who started his acting career late and was a cop before, real and cop. Really just amazing. But one day I was driving down Sunset and there's Dennis Farina in like a, as I remember it, like a blue uh, Mustang, like a convertible. And I was like, Dennis Farina. And he looks at me like I'm out of my fucking mind. I go, I have no idea if you watch Entourage, but I want you on it. And he was like, I'm in. And we never made it happen. And he passed away. And I I was going to have him play Dylan's father. And he was actually, my idea was he was going to be, and he is a tough guy like Paul. I was going to have him be Dylan's gay father. And I thought it was going to be a really... uh, Dramas gave father. Anyway, didn't happen. Forward but I, thinking. Forward but I love him. So I'm excited that you got this movie going. Well, yeah. And, um, and I again, I, don't, I didn't mean to enter and what's it called? Plug a big plug, but it seemed. Paul, this is your moment. You know what, what I'm want. saying? You know, I'm a, more of a humble guy. But you're going to have to. You should try it sometime. I, <laughs> I, need, I need a little payback now, though, Paul, because before you got on the air, I was a little nervous to bring this up because I want to talk about The Wire. I want to talk about your experience on Entourage and all the other work you've done. But I watched this morning because I remembered not how much you were in the scene or not, but one of the great scenes in the history of movies, in my opinion, is uh, True Romance, and it's Dennis Hopper was on Entourage and Christopher Walken, mm-hmm. and you and Gandolfini are in that scene. Yep. Quentin Tarantino wrote it. Tony Scott directed it. And... uh if you don't mind, humor me for a minute. First of all, what's it like to be an actor in a 10, what is it, a 15-page scene of uh, yeah, two people what, sitting what in a that? chair, yeah. and you have to kind of be around for most of it? Yeah. So do you remember when you filmed well, that? it was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> I insulted <laughs> I like, him, Connolly. You told me. No, no, please. I mean, it's I'm thrilled to be in something like that. And, uh, you know, well, I got it. I got it because I, I met Tony Scott. It was, it was the first, maybe one other time it happened when you go in the room and they go, Welcome to the show. You know, I got it in the room. Yeah, I went in. The room. Yeah, he hired me. I didn't read. What's buzzing? Is that me? Oh, it's me. <laughs> Mom on TV. I got to call you back. It's my mom. She <laughs> said, well, make sure you tell him that I know his mother's sister's cousin. <laughs> um, I went and met Tony Scott, and he said, so... Uh, yeah, you'll be good as the Italian cousin. We'll call you Luca. He named him. He said, what should we call him? We'll call you Luca. And he says, so you speak some Italian? And I had just done a pilot. I'm taking you way back. I That's just great. done a pilot where I had to say some, you know, you know, don't, what did I say? Uh, you know, I said some Italian. I did it for him. And he goes, great. That was it. Somebody had recommended me to him. So we get to the show and um, I don't speak English in my head. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing this the whole time. You're saying in real life. 
Well, in no. real life, I don't speak English. No, no. the character Kidding. that he's playing. Yeah, I'm just asking. Yeah, he, he was, yeah he's really taken off in the English uh, department. I thought maybe romance. Italian was his Man, fucking. I thought quick. maybe Italian was his first language. I mean, yeah, I, I ever since so True Romance, his English I speak English. In second gear. So <laughs> I'm not supposed to speak English. So I just kind of tuned out the whole time. I'm looking at them, looking around. I'm looking at the scenery. I'm thinking, wow, they built a nice set here or whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm kind. I'm literally trying not to understand what's going on. Not literally, but I'm. Yeah, I'm just sort of going mm, the, the way you would if he's you, still in character even though he's I I sort of playing in character and that's that's so but then i also am asked to go outside and do you know what you know walking says you know luca luca go outside do <laughs> you know what so i leave i'm not in it a lot of time yeah. then i come back in and right. and that's the end of it and he shoots i mean you oh, so what are you right. gonna tell me like he doesn't know italian like he, he well has, i know a little he's, bit he's making a little it up bit. it's pretty good i just know the <laughs> T- I'm on TV. Well, I, well, I just it. want for the listeners so, out there, I want to hear, I want them to hear the difference, we, though, between Connolly and you, because Connolly watched Denzel Washington, where he was supposed to do nothing, and just completely started staring at the fucking guy. I was, guy saying, while he's I on was the watching show. the guy doing, so I was watching something, <laughs> I knew I was watching something special, and I didn't have any lines, and I just kind of found myself <laughs> at being an audience member, which, like, is the worst thing that you can do as an actor, but at least I can admit that. Yeah. At least I can yeah. admit that. You know, it's just, I was watching Hopper. And I was watching what he was doing. I was listening to the accents. He was doing like a New York thing. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. You know, <laughs> I hadn't heard him do that. I don't know. I was just listening. And also, I knew I had this Italian to speak. So I was probably running that a million times in my head. That Frank Adonis, I think he recently passed. He spoke. He gave me the, the lingo. And he helped me with that little bit that I had to say throughout the movie. I had a couple little bits. And, you know, at the end, behind the couch, when uh, Chris out. Penn, yeah, he's like, there's a wop, fuck, a wop behind the couch. You know, so figure the movie all that stuff. <laughs> you know, and um How long did it take to shoot that scene? I don't remember. We were in there for like a I just remember being in Not the hotel, I'm talking about the the hopper. That, I don't was know, like a, a day couple of or days. Yeah, a couple it was quick. Days, right. No quick, rehearsal. Quick, a couple of days on Entourage, I would have shot that in twenty minutes, but <laughs> I mean it was it was I you know, it was a long time ago. Yeah. And we were at that hotel, I think we're Bobby Kennedy was yeah yeah the what, ambassador the ambassador right so I remember it was amazing being in that in that space and uh, I'm sort of all over the place here but but no, it, was, it was it was it was it was amazing and the other thing is I had no clue the you know I'll tell you a little bit of this later but I had no clue what what we were in what we were doing it was just mm-hmm. a bunch of guys I met Michael Rappaport on that right we've become very close friends ever since yep. so done like a hundred things together including a play I did a pilot with Michael. What'd you do? It was called 40. HBO fucked me on it. Oh, Great pilot. Okay, Imper- Imperioli, yeah. Eddie Burns. Yeah. Yeah. They made not, Rappaport. Not, and- I didn't, did you get a call? I didn't get it. I got, you the, got, I got a call. the anti-call. Ah, Connolly wouldn't have. He was too, he was, he was not right, <laughs> right. for it. But you would have gotten a call, but they didn't, they didn't pick us up. I mean, and, and nice. they made Michael Imperioli read to play a, a New York chiropractor. He had an audition for it. So that's, oh, that's, that's, that's what you best, get. The best story I heard all day, because I've had to read a couple things lately. Were you a New York cop? I mean, it's insane. Like, it's one thing if you said to Paul, Paul, I want you to play this guy out of London. You know, okay, maybe then you got to read it. Paul Ben Victor. Let's hear your British accent. (laughs) (laughs) You did the Italian. Great. I I played uh, Paul Urick, the King's Jester. You know, and, and you know, and, uh, you know, I did a little. Thing. Paul's a real not fucking good, actor. Of course he is. Not as good as who? It's not as good as his walking. Yeah, it's not as no, good as his walk. I have, well, I have some stories. And his Italian was great. I'm working on my Christmas walking. If I ever get an interview, bring me back for Christmas, and I'll do Rudolph, <laughs> the red-nosed reindeer. He had a very shiny nose. <laughs> if you ever saw it, you'd even say it glowed. All the other reindeers, they used to laugh, call them names. I'll give you that much. That's, Unbelievable. That's. By the way, it's a good way to practice. That's I'm practicing for That's Christmas. That's a good way to practice. That's just a gift. That's not a, a pra- I mean, you, of course you can get better. That's a gift. I mean, give us no. a walking story. You got one. So I, you know, I've collected these over the years because I've worked with them. That and I did another movie with Rappaport. What was the name of it? I don't remember. <laughs> walking was hilarious. I could, I literally Rappaport had to kick walking off the set because he was, I couldn't get through the scene because he. I was. I had this girl at gunpoint. I'll fucking kill her. I'll kill her. Whatever it was. And Walken is is over there behind a rock, and he's and he's like this. Wait, don't shoot. And he with both hands, and his big guy dancing like don't shoot. And I'm like, I'm laughing. I can't get through the scene. And you're supposed to be like, I'm killing her. I'll kill her. It's wild. Behind this big rock, 30 feet away. He wasn't on It didn't matter. And finally, Raps just said, Chris, get off sick. Go. Get back to your trailer. Get the fuck out of here. Thank you. And I was so 
mortified to this day. I'm I'm in a set. I'm on a scene with with Chris, the great Chris Walken. I can't get through it. So is he was he sensitive to that, or was he was he he's, laughing? He's just a good guy. Just he just goes with it, and, and he also is the first one on set. He jumped up, he got on set, he rubs his hands, he gets his energy up, and I was like, which is something I've done too. But it was like as soon as like oh first team, boom, he's on his feet. His ethic was just. It's what he does. God, I wish I could work pro. with people like that. That's how Imperioli was. Like, I'm so... one of the most So was op- Martin Landau. Well, of course. Landau, one of, too. One right? of the most depressing yeah. things about my career is not to have had more time with Michael Imperioli, because that's how good he was. Have you ever worked with him? I mean... I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, he's no. just... He's incredible. So, so we did... So we do the scene, but then the cool thing was, months later, I had a... I got called back, because they didn't show me actually expiring. A cop... I kill a cop. Mm-hmm. So they I needed, needed to, to see you die. Dead. So I come back in a little skeleton crew with Tony Scott, and I and I had to like go eyes shut. So that was that was a fun thing to come back and do. And I remember years, twenty years later, on a set like a year ago, a guy's like DPing. He goes, "I was the second camera loader on that that reshoot we did." I was like, and now he's got his own show, whatever it was. Wow, you know? that's early on in your career. Tell me how. I mean, you're this tough guy in Brooklyn. How do you get started in this business? To this day, I look in the mirror every day and I. When I'm down and I go, you, you're doing okay. Short little bald guy from Brooklyn, and people hire you to kill people on TV. I, you know, and I'm not a tough guy. You got the voice, presence. Whatever. Yeah. You know. So uh, I went. I went to Carnegie Mellon for oh. set design. I got in. I was. Do, I was going to do sets. I did a bunch of really cool sets in high school. Built a ship and a castle and all this cool stuff. And then so that got me into. Uh, He's writing notes. He's taking notes. He's taking notes. about something. Good student. And yeah. so, and I was a horrible student, but I got into Carnegie with these models. Um, a little side note, in my in the jury, you know, Carnegie is a big program, right? You know, my brother big went thing. to Carnegie, and Reese Coyro played Billy Walsh on the show, went to Carnegie. Well, okay, great so, place. Yeah, great. So I was there, and you get juried. Oh. So who's there at the head of the jury? He'd been there. He was a sophomore. He'd been there one year. John Wells. John Wells, you know, he's tall. Just so everyone knows, John Wells is the, probably the Shameless. biggest guy in, in ER. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's done well for himself. probably the biggest guy in television. He's doing okay for himself. Yeah, he's doing all right. So uh, he's jurying, and they're looking at my models and stuff. So I get in. I went to Carnegie. I was there for a year or two as a set design production major. And then they were doing a play called Short Eyes, which is Miguel Pinheiro. Shakespeare Festival years ago won the Pulitzer. He, Doug he loves a, that play. You know that play, right? I mean, he's trying to make me look stupid. <laughs> I actually do know it. I'm not as ignorant. I don't know. Sure. I actually don't. And they needed, believe it or not, a, a street guy, a Puerto Rican guy. And there weren't any, but there was one guy, John Vargas now. He's an actor in town. And he was directing. He said, pulled me out of the shop. I got a tool belt on. I go, Paul, come here. I need you to play Juan. And I was already hanging out with the actors. They were called Dramats. At Carnegie and uh, I went in Dramats. I like Dramats. I like, like that. No one's ever called you a Dramats. No, that's we call you a Dramats. I'm, I'm not. Let me get you a t-shirt. Let me get you a hat. I like it. That's what the actors were referring to. I, I'm sure they still are. If you go oh, there, wow. yeah, I'm sure they'll. We've had a couple of interviewers with great actors who've gone to college, and I think Connolly's feeling like he probably should have studied a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Listen, I have bills to pay, bro. A couple of mortgages. I'm a fan of your work. Thank you very much. He's naturally talented, but he never really honed the craft. He never really honed the craft. <laughs> oh, the air not wrong. I'm so interested in this, Paul, because we talk all the time on the on this show about How learning a skill, but learning yeah. a skill yeah. as opposed to like you're an actor and yes, you can keep getting better, but it's kind of an innate, natural thing like directing, I, but set design, cinematography, yeah, editing. Yeah, Doug was saying if he had to do AFI again, he would go back as a cinematographer or what mm-hmm. else were you, production? Or Any of this stuff. Anything. I mean, like they, a, those yeah. guys, they blow me away. The things that they're able to pull off, our crew, that what they used to do was unbelievable. Amazing yeah. stuff. So. Yeah. So you come out of Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, well, and so he asked me to do this, and that was it. I did the one scene, and I, it was felt natural. I had to take a guy and beat the shit out of him over a chair, and, you know, and I had this sort of Latino accent that I kind of grew up around in, this, in Brooklyn. We were sort of a melting pot, mostly Jews, Italians, 
couple put anyway i had the ear for the the sound and i did that then somebody else asked me to do something else and i became an actor at carnegie right. and that that was it and I'm what do you think about the, because i mean you you can't get cast as a puerto rican today i don't think no no and, in fact and walking ain't getting cast as an italian today correct well Prince walk irish right <sighs> I don't know. He's all kinds of German. I don't know. Is he? Maybe he is. No, that, your that, point is valid. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. That was back then. And, yeah. and I, I did whatever I could. I yeah, of didn't course. mean to I'm take not, any jobs or anything. No, but I mean, it's know. a tough thing because I, I mean, part of me looks at it like um, when you're acting, you're becoming something else. Yeah. And I wish it wasn't so. And I'm not trying to take jobs from anybody either. I want everybody to have fair equity and this yeah. and that. But yeah. it's getting a little crazy. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Daniel Day-Lewis is, is the best actor in the world. Sorry, not, no offense to you guys. But I mean, like you're going to do my left foot and find a paraplegic who I can do it? I think that's the extreme. I think that's an extreme version. Okay, I, I, I mean, I hear, no, you're, I, you're, I completely anyway. your point. There was the thing about Jared Leto, right? I don't even know if that was a joke where they were saying that, you know, he shouldn't be allowed to play a bald person. Did you see that? Did I send you that on Instagram? A bald yeah. person? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like you should bald be really people bald. should be really, you know, Paul's like, why didn't I get that fucking call? <laughs> <laughs> Doug's Staying thinking the same this. thing. <laughs> well, I, if I could act, that would be there. My hair, I've had some hair issues over the last six months, so I got a, okay. I got a fucking $3,000 hat that's supposed to grow more hair on my head. I don't <laughs> see how that works. <laughs> we'll see how that works. So anyway, let's get back to that. So you do that job, and... Uh, I became an actor, Carnegie, and that uh, little... Uh, then that's it. Then... then, then uh, that wasn't a job. That was at school, you know? Yeah. And then um, went to New York, started doing commercials. I... I Look, I was I just wanted to make a buck. Yeah, you know what I mean? of course. And I I looked at this commercial world and I said I could I could do that. And I ended up doing a bunch of commercials. And at the time, I don't want to mention any names. Some big actors who became huge, who I knew at the time. You know, a couple of them coming over the house. Went, man, you're doing all those commercials, man. Come on. And I was like, they were dramats. Yeah, they, they were, were the dramats, were, right? The name, Paul. Come on. We we had actually uh, we did we did a film called uh, Me and Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm-hmm. who's passed, but but he didn't make fun of me. But he came over once because I threw a little uh, rap party at my house. We would, did the 15 minute Hamlet. So I had this beautiful condo. I mean, it was a great condo in Beechwood, first place I had. And I remember Phil Hoffman coming over, sitting on the patio. Smoking cigarettes, putting them on my patio. I said, Phil, he's an ashtray. If you don't mind, have a nice patio. And he was great. He goes, man, you got all this from commercials. And he was didn't have all that yet. Right. right? I think he still had a little apartment in the city in Manhattan. But oh, I was, was he working? Yeah, yeah. He was, he on, was, his going, yeah, he was yeah, on his way. Yeah, but this was in the 90s. He hadn't right. broke out yet. Right, I don't right. think he did any of the big movies he was done yet. Starting to do right. stuff. But, uh, you know, and so I... I I was doing commercials. Long story saying, I was doing a, a lot of commercials. You got something to try Tom to... Stoppard. And it was... And Thank Mar- you. And Mark Norman. I was right. Tom the movie, Stoppard. anyway. But Tom Stoppard wrote the play, Shakespeare. Right. I, I looked it up, but I... Right. But he wrote he wrote, he wrote wrote the 15-minute Hamlet, which is right. this... If you ever want to see it, anybody, it's... Uh, I think you could get it somewhere on, on Google or whatever. But it was a great little piece. Phil Hoffman's in it. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 that's where I played... By the way, that's a good actor right there, boy. I mean, he's the greatest. He really, he really was. He's banging on all cylinders. So uh, yeah, we did, we did that. And uh, but the thing is, I was happy to do them, and I did 80, 90 national spots. There is zero to be embarrassed about about going at to work time, and getting paid to right, act. Right. I mean, but at the time, I was made fun of a couple of people, a couple of friends, and now, of course, trying to get to this point, you know, people are lining up. You know, to, to, to get a campaign. Yeah, back in the day, I mean, I did, I did seventy commercials growing up. And you were I, seven. Yeah, were but the when kids I, at school when, making when fun I, of you when you were doing a Matchbox commercial, <laughs> very much you? so. Really? Yes, yes. Absolutely. You, so you did a ton of commercials. As a kid. I did seventy-five, eighty commercials. So you know growing up about. as a kid. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and then, but to you know, to your point, it's a little different. I was on a on a TV series called Unhappily Ever After. You know, and it was a sitcom where no I, one needs to look that one up. Where I where I spoke to a stuffed rabbit, right? And Leo's doing the Romeo and Juliet with Baz. Lerman. So it was far, it's very humbling. Well, Wahlberg, feet on the Wahlberg ground. spoke to a stuffed uh, teddy bear. I mean, but it wasn't Ted. There was, it was not, it different, was not Ted. No, different, but it was. <laughs> but anyway, look, it was. A, it was a you know uh, to have a job on a show of any kind for. Five years, hundred paychecks. I find it to me the most terrific thing in the world to shame anybody. I came out of film school and got fifteen thousand dollars to do a movie. That listen, I got it released into studios. It's not good. I'm not proud of it. But are you fucking kidding me? I was getting paid to be on a set. Right. I would have done anything. I was thrilled. So for anyone to shame you for that, but I want to even go. I don't think he's saying shaming. I think it's like you're hanging around with the the dramatics. I, I, I get what he's saying. And there's. But of... I want to know how you got there in the first place. You come out of Carnegie Mellon. How do you get an agent? How do you get a manager? Do they help you with? 
No. That's a good question. Not at the time. I mean, I hustled around. Uh, I, my dear friend, Jeffrey Marcus, who's a acting coach now, but he's done a lot of great work in the past. Um, he had an agent. He said, go meet this agent. They sent me on my first audition for a commercial, and I, I got it. Got my first. <laughs> That'll do it. But I, I need everyone to listen one. out there. This man is so super talented. It oh, is not on. that, but it is not that easy. By the way, I, well, I got my first one, and that was Mark's story. Wonderful commercial director, and he hired me. Boom, boom! He hired me for a, a, a co soap right a month later, and then another because I was I was like the, it was right at the time when the the good looking tall chiseled guy was sort of phasing out, and it was the me. Stanley Tucci, we did a... We like did the a, human, like, real guys. The real, the, the real guys. guys, right. It was Stanley Tucci, me and him, we were in a Levi's commercial together. I don't know if he's aware of it, but it was the brand new 501 jeans with the buttons when they came out in 1985, I think. Blues, so blues, so blues, so blues, so 501 blues. And I know he was in it, I was in it, and then I, I know Jason Alexander was like the Burger King guy for a while, and McDonald's, something like that. Right. So that look was changing, and I was right there. You know, I was a solid guy. I knew what I was, you know, coming in, and and they, and then Joe Pitka. You know this guy? He's mm-hmm. like the biggest commercial guy. Did a thousand Super Bowl spots. He directed um, him, or he act- directed him. Okay, he's just he's like the go-to. He was he was the guy in the eighties and nineties and two thousands. He still works, I think, but uh, he put me in everything, and I played Cindy Crawford's husband. I did. Bow nose, remember the bow nose, and, and the thing with um, Ray Charles, yeah. uh, Pepsi's, and all that. I did, you know, tons of these big spots with these big, these big celebrity st- spots. They were great, and I was a character in all of them, you know. And he just, he would just call me and go, Paul, I come in and meet the, I come in for an audition. Paul, here's the client. How you doing? What'd you have for breakfast? Uh, Wheaties. All right, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Got to meet the client. I, they, want well, me to they do that. Sometimes. I mean, that's part of it. Right. That's kind of the way it goes. Yeah. yeah like, but what it, a great life. I loved it. I loved it. I was working all the time, going to get your wardrobe. You go boom. And, you know, we were driving around in my little car phone, the thing with the, the Nokia attached to the car. The bills were $2,000. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mark, do you remember keep, that? You had yes. to keep those calls super short. Remember those? It was, it was, it was, it was like 45 cents a minute but or something, like a dollar to make the call. Yeah, really young, to, but, of course, no. Yeah, on the giant phones. But I mean, yeah. You know, listen, if you're if you're a working actor of anything and able to pay your bills doing that, it's yeah. amazing. And I want to I want to get to when you start getting real scripted roles. But yeah. did you, I wanted to throw an aside. Did you see Stanley Tucci's Italy? Did you watch that? We're watching it. What do you my think? Wife. I mean, it's I'm, just... It's, what a I'm, great gig. Great. Have you watched it, Connolly? I have. I mean, God. A great I mean, gig. He so probably good. came up with it. I'm assuming it was his idea. No? My wife read it and figured out what it, how it happened. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, everybody but should I watch be, that. But would I be... He's a, he cooks yeah. with his wife. But would I be crazy in thinking that it's sort of a fill-in for Anthony Bourdain, where it's a recognizable face going around Italy? I mean, they probably made that the trip of a lifetime for him, mm-hmm. his family, a shoot one, two days a week. You're it's probably the best gig he's ever, ever had. <laughs> I mean, listen, it. it's it's something that I wish I was doing. I you mean, do it's eat just, a lot. We had a know, good time uh, in Florence. Yeah, we had a great time in Florence. But I mean, it's just it's really to watch the history of the food. Everybody should check that out. And if you love Italy, which you know, I'm getting more and more depressed because I like to go to Italy as often right. as I can, and yeah. I obviously haven't been able to go. So everyone should check that poor, out. So poor horrible life you have. I'm so, not saying I have yeah. a horrible life. I just like Italy. I mean, you know, yeah, you like like, like Ireland too. You I like think you're getting upset that I'm like not mentioning Ireland. Is that the problem? Did you do? I'm trying. Everybody's doing accents. That was like an attempt. I'm trying to get acting work because we should tell. We should throw. Paul, this just weirdly, the podcast is starting to get a little traction. Connolly, which was the same thing when Entourage started, Sheila Jaffe, who you know, whose partner is actually Christopher Walken's wife, casting director, amazing. Connolly said he wasn't acting anymore, so it was hard to get him. Wahlberg had to put him in a fucking stranglehold to get him to show up for the show. But now he's not acting again because he's got this big empire of Action Park Media. But he gets a call for a big show. I won't say what it is. They asked if he could send over clips from this podcast to for this show that they're looking at him at. So Not clips from Entourage. Not clips from Entourage, not clips from John Q that he claims he was in that I don't from remember. That. I was in John Q. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say I was the top 10 on the call sheet of John Q. Right. FYI. Right. Doug's implying that I didn't have a very big role. I think John Denzel Q. stole his thunder, weirdly <laughs> enough. So I want to know, you go from commercials. What's your first kind of acting role that's like a you know, right, something, I got something to sink my teeth into here well you have what no i'm saying like you go <laughs> he's from, jumping in on oh my you're question. asking me like you're, <laughs> yeah you're, like what's the adding first, to my question what's the as first if i wasn't role clear. where you like he was talking about he had first role where you go <laughs> okay all right all right let's right. let's get well done. it would have been you know i just got to jump to nypd blue yeah so uh yeah i go and i, I remember reading on a friday saying i fucked this up all weekend i've 
kicked myself. You screwed it up. You screwed it up. And I got it on Monday. And then David Milch was unbelievable. And I, I went in and, and I did. He said, you know, you want to improv here? Go ahead. Walk. Do whatever you want. I said, I'm not improving. I'm throwing in a little things here. <laughs> so, so he was annoyed. He, no, he was left-handedly annoyed, but like, but said, "Go for it!" Like, here's the stage, go for it. You know? All right, if you and don't then, hate the script so much, then you go right <laughs> ahead and do your own scene. Now he's known for this, and you know who had a real tough time, Kevin Dillon, with David Milch, because oh, stories, because yeah. you know he'll you know new pages. Let's just let I everyone know, it. David Milch is forgetting what his personality is. He's a fucking genius writer, yeah, genius. But as we know on Entourage, you know, to me, it's like whoever comes up with the moment. I don't care where it came from, bringing it right. But, but you were pretty word. Se- and, I, and I mean this as a compliment. Uh, pretty word sensitive. If it was working, Doug's to me, in my opinion, it felt like. And I don't know about Milch. If you were gonna go, it better be. It better be. It yeah. better be good, or right, else just right. go back to the lines, or or save it for the. But freebie, I wasn't throwing or, challenges like, okay, hot shot. Let's right. see what you no, got. Of course. So not. what happened with Dylan? Heard, no, the, Dylan is a guy. You know, one of the good things about Entourage that that most people don't know, which was always kind of perplexing when people wouldn't know their lines, is you know we were fortunate enough. So if there were we were doing 10 episodes months before we started shooting. We had six or seven of those scripts. So when you show up and you don't know your lines, the script's been sitting on your... So that was... I think we got all got kind of spoiled, you know, because we had so much time... I spoiled them, Paul. We had so much time with this material... But I believe Dylan, because Dylan would be like, oh, yeah, how, how was it? I heard you, did you get milched? He referred to it, actually referred to getting milched, which is like, oh, by the way, here's the new scene, and you need to know it word now, for word. Same thing. He wasn't like a guy that was like, oh, meander. So did you have any of that? Yeah. I mean, he threw stuff at you, you know, in the morning. He milched. You got milched. Yeah, all, all the time. More on John from Cincinnati, which is a show I did a couple of years oh, later. HBO show. They paired us with John from Cincinnati. One year. My first episode, I remember it aired, and the next day, uh, the phone rang. I had like three auditions for this, and somebody offered me a scene of a street guy on that. I felt a little shift. So it, yeah. was, it was Steve Richards on NYPD Blue. Most yeah. people don't realize, NYPD Blue was a, just a game changer in television. I think it's pretty it commonplace yeah. now, but there was that moment that, I mean, NYPD Blue was just the spot. Yeah, they were well, doing I mean, different things with the cameras. There was nothing on regular television like that. Correct. I think now a lot of people have kind of modeled it after that, but I would imagine that was a big a big get, and that'll get the phone ringing. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. And probably, you know, the best, I don't know about the best, but certainly two of the best police shows, if you want to call it that. It's it got to be right there. And The Wire. So, I mean, you get The Wire oh. with David Simon, who I don't know at all. Do you but, follow him on Twitter? Well, I saw you had a... He's Pierce feisty. Morgan battle. He's that's going on, but He's David, good for you, Doug. But David Simon is, um, you know, an off the charts genius. Who's for Brilliant. me, like Brilliant. I think I write dialogue pretty good. But what David Simon does, he's writing dialogue that is. You know, I'm assuming is not really the world he's in, and and he seems to be capturing stuff so realistically and so amazing. What was it like doing The Wire? It was such an exciting time for me because I was sort of juggling a lot of stuff, and I remember putting in my head, I said, I want to be, I want to have more to do, I want more to do, and then like it happened, and I was doing In Plain Sight, Entourage. We were, I think, it was shooting at the same yeah, time. Yeah, they were, and a play, and and. Uh, and the wire. I remember, and then a couple of other things were happening, like a few little recurring things and guests. That was the most exciting thing. Was I remember this is not really the wire related, but it was what was happening in my life at yeah. the time. Just rolling. She was entourage. Great. The wire. Yeah, and play. I wasn't on a. I wasn't on a hit series, but I was working like constant. And it, it's it was probably the busiest time. I remember doing a play. I was we were shooting. We were doing the play Friday night downtown here. I'd have a car pick me up after the play, drive me down to San Diego. We were doing John from Cincinnati. <laughs> shoot a couple of scenes there. Shoot the day there. Get in a car. Fly to Baltimore on Sunday morning. Get there Sunday. Sleep Monday morning. Shoot a scene. The Wire, one scene, smoke a cigarette, have a cup of coffee, you know, in the in the uh, in the on the docks there. Picked up back in a car, literally, I think, back on the set because the hours worked for like an afternoon shot back in San Diego. So you're doing three HBO shows at the same time. It was pretty cool. It was a great time. And that continued like, you know, and then you'd pop in for one of these, one of those. But then I remember the weekend I was trying to do this play. And then wait, I had to come back and do the Saturday show. Then 
fly out on Sunday. That's what happened. Yeah, it was not. So, so give me a little a great David, time. Give me a little David Simon though. What was it like? Was he on the set, David Simon? A, a little bit. Not I mean, much. Yeah, and I was completely in my own little world. You know, mm-hmm. me and uh, uh, the wonderful actor who played the Greek. You know, we were the Greeks together, and we just we were in our own little world. You yeah. know, and I just had this Greek painter who worked in the building where my mother lived in the village, and I'd call him all the time and say, "Do my lines," you know. And this other guy who was a wrestler, and I made him just tell me these wrestling stories. I had this guy, I took him, I choked him out, I took him down like this. And I just had him do my lines. Doug and I are both sitting here insanely jealous of his uh, ability yeah. to do different accents oh, and characters. nothing. So, and Did you so, know you were doing a special show? Did you know this no, was... No, at the time, I mean, it's you never know. I never knew what true Same thing we were saying about was. true romance. You go on... Same thing, Doug. Same thing with Entourage. I was just going to work. And in the beginning, I mean, it, I said that I love the poetry of the language of what I was doing and trying to be this guy. And I'm very critical, but I watch it now. I, I cringe a little bit. <laughs> things I could have done differently. Or I better. cringe at Connolly's stuff when I watch stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's cringeworthy. It's cringeworthy. You guys. And so, um, but on set, you know, we just went to work and, and Anthony Hemingway was the first AD. And we remember, I remember he and I connecting. He would, I would do a little thing and he'd go, I like that with the hat. He was like, we had like a cool little vibe going. We still remain friends to this day. Wonderful Anthony, the director, you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Yep. It was just a, it was like a little indie movie, you know, and I was just left alone. I remember getting very little direction. The first day I felt like they went over and over and over again. They weren't quite getting my scene. I thought I was going to get sent home. That's got to be a terrible feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought I was just saying going to work. It's not working. And then, you know, next day you go to keep going. It was just. Right. So I don't have, I don't have any like crazy stories about the show itself because, and we were just, except when I had to kill that guy, that was the best I had, do, <laughs> I had to do it twice because we rehearsed it I had, strang- I had to cut the guy's throat and there was a blood hose that came out and when the first time we did it he went a little nuts and the hose went all over <laughs> so we had to do that again and uh, I remember I'll just say it now I, I, I stole a moment from Gandolfini he did something in True Romance when he I think it was the showers the scene when she's when he's beating up Patricia Arquette yeah and, he, and she guiltily kills him right I think he does well he does something somewhere he looks up he does like a or kill. I don't know what it is, but he goes. He looks up like that, and I remember slicing the guy's throat. And, going, and I just like looked up. I just, it just at the moment, I said, I don't know why. I was just channeling a moment that's of Gandolfini. You know, that's amazing. And rest in peace, Jimmy. You know, it's, I'm giving this, uh, it to paid homage to you is what I did in that moment. That was a moment I remember. But what I remember from the wire is the time of doing, being on the plane, learning these lines, coming home, <laughs> having four scripts from all this cool stuff. Just was, your world in that time. It was a great time. Right. It was so, a great and time. then you come into Entourage, which honestly, I, I played Alan Gray, but a lot of people, I, I think I might, I think you might have been John Ellis for a minute. I'm not sure. Do you want to know, know what you're talking about? Do you, for whatever reason, I think maybe you spelt Gray differently a couple times. I, I don't know what. I, I think, think that's he, what it was. I think, I think someone called you John somewhere, and and I know we're gonna have a, a super <laughs> fan. Uh, uh, Somebody will uh, listen. We might as well talk us. about it. Okay, we got a super fan. We got Maddie, Maddie Stew, and you know Maddie Stew. We, we love you, but what happened was Maddie. I spoke to Paul. Did uh, Maddie Stew book Paul Ben Victor for this no, episode? No, no, he didn't. I spoke to Paul myself, and then I got a message from Maddie Stew. Like spoke to Paul. It's all good. And I didn't even know who the fuck he was talking about. But I'm like, I, I Paul you know, who? <laughs> I was like, you know, and, I and, called Doug. I was like, do you think Maddie Stew knows Paul Ben Victor? Is that possible? Doug's like, ah, apparently it is. He spoke to him for 20 minutes. I also asked if Conley. If he, if he hired him because I didn't know if he was working for us or what was happening. And, you know, anyway, we love Maddie Stu, but, you know, I, I have a relationship with you. I thought I could I could at least reach out to you. Okay. So, but anyway, let's get to Entourage. You come in and you got to work with Martin Landau, which is my, one of my favorite humans that I've ever worked with, one of the great actors I've ever been around, and one of the great people who never missed a day of work in, like, his 50 years and the actually greatest. fell the day before, oh. not, not the golf scene. But the day before, we were doing a, a big walk and talk with Jeremy. He fell the night before, and his, I was in this. I was there. His leg was purple, and he came. I said, "Martin, we'll we'll move this." And he said, "Doug, I never missed a day of work, and I'm not missing one today," which was pretty incredible. So let's just discuss your experience I mean, on Entourage a little bit. You know, I have. I rem- there's some great stuff on the golf the golf days. Yeah, and the, Phil Mickelson, and it was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, that was unbelievable. But I will say, early on. When I read the original script, you wrote a Jeremy Piven type in the script. Okay. Not I a, think. Not a good in a description. Breakdown. Well, Maybe in the breakdown. In Maybe. the breakdown. Yeah. Because you, you, you were going for that yeah. type, right? So I was like, 
I put a wig on. <laughs> you, you don't remember. I don't I remember that. for that. I because I I told Lev and Garnett at the time. I said, oh, I can realize, Paul, you might be a little old. Oh, I'll get younger. I put a, I put a wig on, and I think I threw an earring in my ear. I don't know what I did, but I came in and read for that. And then you, at, I think there, you said, No, 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 we got something else for Paul. I remember just you had that commanding presence oh, that was like, this guy runs much. a studio. Like, I wrote, whatever great. the role you well, were coming in it was for, great. It was I just great. remember going, this guy, you, you just, you so, carry yourself. Do you know what I remember about it? Um, and it talk about embarrassing and cringing when you look back at stuff. I knew the Medellin thing was bad. Us, what do you mean the Medellin thing was bad? Meaning like us pronouncing it. Medellin. In, right, right. So Paul can fucking say it. Well, By the way, no, well, listen. I just, but I want to let the audience know, these actors yeah. could not say the word Medellin. No matter how many times I would say it to him, you'd get Medellin. Yeah. Not all of right. them. Well, really? Oh, my God, Paul. You, you I will. I think I just, you just you will, So Yeah, what? well, you can speak. When, right. when <laughs> in your office with the suit yeah. and we're talking to Paul Ben Victor, Alan Gray about, you know, what well, we're thinking about, well, what, do, what do you want to do? And he's, we're like, you know, we want to do this thing. And you go, and Paul goes, ah, Medellin, hell of a script. <laughs> and at that moment I went, oh my God, we've been saying, Ugh. well, you we were saying Medellin. By the way, my, my girlfriend, I think baby, I asked she's somebody. from Medellin. She's from <laughs> so Medellin. Right, right? Yeah. Well, I asked somebody. That, right. Paul. I, I think these, I asked you. These guys would ignore me. No matter. I'm like, and I would Dog, look at them I, I and go, you what were the fuck is You were a little on the fence, too. You no, no, said no, no, it, no, no, and no. I was I like, wasn't that's a, it. Wait, wait. Just so the audience listens. I was on no fence, okay? I came <laughs> up. I read the book Killing Pablo on a vacation. That's I decided funny. to make this movie. I knew how to say you, it. You had your actors and I would, unclear on how to say it. No, Paul no, no. Victor had nothing to do with me, but I would go on set, and then people, you know, an actor, sometimes as if that's an interpretation, I'd be like, listen, you're saying it wrong, and they look at you like you're trying to tell them how to act. I'm like, no, I'm trying to tell you how to speak. English like <laughs> because the first time I said it, it's like yeah we want to do Medellin it's <laughs> so, in the show it's so terrible it's in the show it's awful you said it I was like holy shit that's it somebody somebody remember that that's also you know what it. it is and and Paul that's what I'll say you can audition a thousand times you can bring in ten thousand people for that you walked in you've been a cop you've been a killer and it's like this guy runs the studio and you don't fuck with him mm. it just felt like that well, and I appreciate it was that. great that's so, great. Yeah. Martin Landau. He was in the golf scene, yeah, right? Yeah. Let, yeah let, let him tell his memories since you obviously don't remember. Well, yes, I had a, he, he I had died a, in front of Martin Landau. Yes. I had an I, uh, om- paying homage to Martin Landau when you talked about him not missing a day of work. Also, too, for actors out there. Martin Landau, once he would be called to set, mm-hmm. he did not leave set until the scene was complete. Whether it was 14 setups, he came and he sat in his chair when they called him from his trailer. And then he did not leave set until the scene was done. Now, it's 105 degrees. We're shooting at Paramount. And this is right. And his leg is purple. His leg is purple. It was so hot out. When they called cut, I was running to my trailer and stripping down, like, in the air conditioning because it was so hot. And Martin Landau, at his age, sat out there with a broken leg in in the heat. As a, so, a former so more than a lesson for the actors out there was really a lesson for Connelly. No, so. I'm saying it's, it was it was it, <laughs> so, it was something to learn. Right, but you let's learn get something. you come into this. You're playing this studio head, and did you bring you know real life experiences with some of these? The examples? writing, it's all if it's on the page, you just gotta go. You know, it's a, you know I sat there and I remember the energy in that first day with Constance. Right, she was yep. my uh, help right hand, your right hand yep. at the time, girl Friday, whatever, and Dana uh, Gordon, all the guys. And then there was that moment of like tension, and then I think Piven broke the laugh. So you know, but that was that was exciting. But the, the the golf scene, that stuff was unbelievable. But I get the script right. I'd done a couple of episodes, I think three or whatever, and Lev calls me and goes, "We're bringing you back." <laughs> and I'm so excited. I mean, this by this time the show had become massive. I said, "Oh, fine, on, I'm on, man." You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Oh, Paul, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. When you give an actor a script where he's killed off a show, <laughs> you got to grease it up a little not before Lev. you tee that one up. Lev's not greasing anything. Oh, you're going to love it. It's a great scene. I'm thinking, and it was a great episode, but you just got to go, dude, we're letting, you know, you're going to die, but it's great. And I would go, oh, okay, oh, okay, great, thanks. But I'm reading, I'm reading, this is great, it's great. I think I have a heart attack here. Does that mean, <laughs> is it a dead heart attack? Sure enough. Can I tell you, I'm not even sure when I'm writing this, whether it was going to be a dead heart attack. Well, that's attack. what I was going to say. Was it uh, in the script that it was a dead heart no, attack? No, it was the next scene 
where I'm in a coffin. Oh, well, that'll do it. Which, yeah. <laughs> when, which, by the way, if you Piven's, had your suspicions, Piven's standing there on the next the next week. I'm in a coffin, and uh, he leans in and he goes, "Paul, you've done a lot of great work, but this is the best. This is your best work ever." And I, then I tried to keep a straight face in the coffin. He was cracking me up. You're doing great work here. This is great. <laughs> How do you approach, you know, and, and, and exactly what you're saying? No, but no, but exactly what you're saying is sleep. I've still, slept. I didn't know if you were going to live or not when I was writing it. Oh. I really didn't. Oh. So, but how do you approach? You have to have a heart attack. How do you well, go about that as an actor? Was, well, because, you know, I, I don't know. I, I read, you know, I know you, your left arm gets hurt first and shit and you feel shit. I just... You know, went for it. But on the day, the AD's coming up to me and goes, uh, the heart attack is good. Die slower. <laughs> I get a note. Die slower. So then I, you know, then I let it happen to me a little slower. And that, and that was it. I just kind of went for it. You know, I don't know. I think people were, sh- people I remember, people were stunned. Well, because like, it's a yeah. comedy too, right? So people always get a little bit finicky about it. Yeah. That and then my doctor called me <laughs> after he saw it. He said, Paul, I know it's TV. Dr. Eniotti, listen, I know it's TV, <laughs> but I'm just making sure you, you're okay, right? <laughs> he literally called so me. So you, you really brought it. People thought I mean, it. your doctor calls you, you figure you did okay. That's amazing. So how, how was your reaction from Entourage? Everybody wanted to play golf with me. <laughs> I had all these friends of mine that play golf and they do these tournaments and celeb things and all that. Paul, you got to show up. You play with Nicholson. I go, I got a headache. (laughs) I'm not feeling good. I don't play. I'm not a golf. You know, I was making excuses because I was embarrassed. But actually this summer, I'm going to get into it full on. But Mickelson was incredible. Hanging with him was the best. You know, I had to make that. Do you remember? Do you remember when I had to make that putt? Yeah, yeah, it was like totally. a forty foot, thirty <laughs> foot putt. And he he takes out a huge. He says, "Get me a huge pole." So they brought a piece of rigging, a twenty five foot pole, and he's. I don't know. I'm going to ruin it for everybody now. But he 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 puts like a a trough in the grass. He steps on it. So there's a slight. You couldn't see it. The camera couldn't see it. Right. Takes it away. He goes, "Go ahead. Now tap it. Just tap it." And three or four shots later, I'm I'm. I'm landing it. Unbelievable. And then, and but driving around with him for the couple of days, it was that I remember I would just ask him tons of stories. What happened with this? How'd it go with that? Everything was gambling. Everything <laughs> was bets coming up. I, he goes, I said, who would bet you? Who would play against you? And put, what idiot? He goes, well, you know, you give him whatever that's strokes. called. Strokes. Yeah, you give him strokes, odds, money, whatever. But he told me stories about guys like lifting the back of the hole, the, the the plastic thing in the in the hole. He goes, guys would sneak down and like lift the back of it so the ball would fall in. And right. So if it doesn't roll over the hole, yeah, it will bounce. You know, guys would walk over the hole and just push down the grass a little bit, make their own little trough. He said that wasn't illegal. I mean, anyway, he told me all these stories That's about awesome. golfing tips, golf cheating stories. Well, I can tell you who would bet him. I brought two of my good friends to the set who were both like ones or two golfers. Yeah. And at there, he's like, let's play. And they were like, you know, Phil's, because he is a gambler. I think that's known. And he's like, 100 bucks a hole or whatever. We're only going to play a couple holes. And it, the first hole we were on was a par three. And my buddy Dave Leibowitz honestly almost puts it hole in one. He misses it by an inch. Phil hits it. And he's, I'm not even exaggerating. I have this on camera. He's 60 feet from the hole. And he's going to lose. And I don't know Phil well, but I'm fucking around. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, I'm like, you nervous, Phil? I have this on camera. You nervous, Phil? It was like a 65-foot putt. And he looks at me, gives me like, a look sinks it and looks at me and goes fuck you i don't get nervous and i was like <laughs> what a badass mother come on that yeah, happened that happened yeah, and i have it i, mean, uh, I have it best. on video he's one of the best to ever ever play yeah but play. still even right. though you would still amazing. think a guy would be nervous that all of a sudden it's like asking steph curry to hit a half court shot he goes really okay watch come this on. boom yeah. especially when you're practicing it's true with the handicaps you really can play the best in the world and if there's enough strokes you can even the playing field even with even with pros those guys are ones and twos See, I'm a big golfer. You, I don't want you're to a big golfer. Head. He started six months ago. He's a big golfer. You're not, you're, and you're not big. Golfer. You're a small golfer. I'm Come a on. great golfer. Are you great? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah I think, maybe yeah. Maybe you could show me a point. <laughs> a lot better great. than you. A lot better than you. I'm not great. Right. Pickleball. I'll beat you know. the fuck out of Pickleball. you. Pickleball. That's a good one. It's good sport. But Pickleball was hilarious. Because he, from as soon as he got on set, he was ragging on Mickelson, which I know he was sort of in yeah. character, but he was just going, oh, I guess they couldn't get Tiger Woods, could they? Did you write that? No. no. Okay. Because he was doing it from the get- and I was sitting there going, Jesus Christ. But he kept going at him. Like oh, improving, right? Yeah. Improving. But that's not in the show. It was, oh, it wasn't in there? Is oh, it? I, I guess so. it wasn't. because it, Maybe. But he was doing it off camera, but he was living it, and he was brilliant. Jeremy is not shy, but just side gambling note. The first time I ever played pickleball was at the Madison Club in, in Indio, across from Coachella. And I walk out, and there's Phil Mickelson, who I knew from the show. And he's like, hey, Doug, want to play? I'm like, what is this game? And he's like, 
it's like ping pong meets tennis. And I get out and he's like, it was me and Andrew left. He's like 10,000 a game. I'm like, Jeez. okay, this guy's out of his mind. Now Phil can say whatever he wants. We beat his ass so bad. And, uh, Andrew actually covered that if we lost, but we won. So uh, anyway, but I love Phil, and it was. But he'll just gamble anything. Ten thousand a game on ten thousand game on pickleball with two people who never showed up, and and you know we we beat him, and he was he got upset. Super wealthy. The one with a friendly little game, Phil. How about just (laughs) smacking the ball around a little? It's beers, beers on the beers beers on the loser. By the way, when you make a hundred million dollars a year, I don't even understand how it's fun to gamble at all. Right. Like, but I don't know. I gambled when I gambled. It was like because I needed money and I wanted to win, and if I lost, I was fucking miserable. No. You were miserable? Whatever. This is great, Paul. I don't, you know, what, what else can we talk amazing. about? This is awesome. Thanks for coming on. It was on. great. Yeah, it was, it was great. really, I mean, I know we were going to give a shout out to your cousin, Jill Fastenberg, who is my, you know, So you guys have friend. a friend in common. Yeah. My, oh, my cousin. My friend from childhood is, is Paul's cousin and, and a great, great woman. Um, all goes through Long Island. All comes back to Long Island at the end of the Long day. Long Island, yeah. I know Doug Allen through Lori Kritzer, Margolis, <laughs> Eric Kritzer's sister. Lori Eric Kritzer was here yesterday. Eric Kritzer. Eric was here yesterday? Yeah. We gotta get Eric. Kritzer. We gotta get Kritzer. Kritzer's gotta be uh, We'll get Kritzer. We gotta on. get Kritzer. Belmore, you know, it just goes on and on. Send my love to Jill, and thank you so much for doing this. This was great. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for having me. Absolutely. You know, and everybody, watch. Go through the wire. Go through True Romance, even though Paul's got a small uh, May 7th is a big, on Netflix, a movie called Monster. Nice. Great movie. We'll be Great watching, movie. and the movie you're starting to shoot right now. And wise uh, guy, legitimate wise, wise guy. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. Thank you so much, right, Paul. Guys, thanks for having Thank me. Thank you so much. Yeah. What I want to say is, I just, it's a real fucking actor, man. Talk about starting from the bottom. He was working on a set. He got a crack to be in a play, and then a second play, and then he got an agent. And he went on a commercial audition, and he got that. He did commercials, and they got an NYPD blue, and now his body of work speaks for itself. But but also, you, you got to be in it to win it. Humility and humble, and you know he's right. You should try it. He's got a better career than both of us. That's a true. lot better. This is true. So this anyway, true. I was allowed to talk now. Yeah, you're not I really wish. supposed to be here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Theoretically, you're not really here. You know, people connect to that kind of story because people yeah. don't know where to start yeah. they, they want to act and it's like where do you go and I, I agree with Doug and I will give Doug credit for putting it out there but he just backed it up again he started as a set designer right yeah. production designer and yeah. banging nails the rest is history doing and, and Carnegie Mellon shout out for my brother Howard Ellen who's a big supporter of Carnegie Mellon and Reese really? who went there that was great that wraps up another episode of Victor the Podcast please follow us on Victor the Podcast page on Instagram Twitter TikTok whatever it is Jesus. and follow Kevin Conley maybe oh he'll post something God. you don't have any Instagram do you Paul yeah <laughs> My wife does everything. I don't nice. know about it. Maybe you can get Zulai to do something for you. <laughs> Kali won't post. He's got 260,000 dormant followers. I think they're not dormant. They're highly engaged. We need them listening <laughs> to this podcast. So whoever highly follows engaged. Kevin Connolly, spread the word. We love you all. And victory, Kevin Dillon may or may not come back one day. I don't know. Kevin Dillon's with Frank Rillard. Victory. <laughs> victory. Oh, you got to get some of those. Victory. Yeah, all right, Kevin. Can't give it to you, but what you gon' do with it? I can't give it to you, but what you gon' do?